reading from Psalm 35 today. I'm reading out of the King James Version, since we're going to be talking about faith at the American founding, uh, the version they would have had back in that day. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. This is the word of God for the people of God. It was September 1774 in Philadelphia. Men were coming from across the colonies. They were gathering for what would be known as the First Continental Congress. Once convened, there was a motion made that they begin with prayer. Two people spoke against it, saying that the Christian community was way too divided. They would never be able to agree on who would lead the prayer and how it should be said. But Sam Adams stood up and said, listen... I'm a man of faith. I have my particular beliefs, but I'm no bigot. I can listen to any man who is a person of faith and virtue pray in whatever way he would as long as he is also a friend of his country. Motions passed. A certain Episcopalian clergyman was asked to come the morning of September 7, 1774 to deliver that prayer. Reverend Duchesne came in his clergy vestments, and the prayer that he brought was the psalm that we just read, Psalm 35. It struck a chord with those founding fathers. It's important for us to note how they started. So the first official act of our founding fathers was to pray together first act when they came together to talk about who they were and what they were getting ready to do was to pray together to use holy scripture as a way to do that john adams was so moved he wrote this letter to his wife abigail i want to read a part of that to you he said i had never heard a better prayer or one as well pronounced I never saw a greater effect upon an audience. It seemed as if heaven had ordained that psalm to be read on that morning. It was enough to melt the heart of stone 
I saw tears gush into the eyes of the old, grave Pacific Quakers of Philadelphia. I must beg you, Abigail, to read that song. Our founding fathers were people of faith. But so often, academics who study the founding become enamored with the Enlightenment and reason and all the things that were being written about freedom and free will. And they say that is how our country was founded. And they overlook the faith part of it. But Michael Novak has written a great book. It's called On Two Wings, Humble Faith and Common Sense at the American Founding. I read this book a few years ago. He does a great job of talking about how critical faith was in the lives of these people who decided to take the steps that led to the founding of our country. He argues not that reason was not a part of what they were doing, not that the Enlightenment had no role to play, but what he says is it takes two wings for the American eagle to fly, reason, which he calls common sense in the title, and Protestant faith. He said if you had just had one, this would have never happened. He argues that without Protestant Christian faith based in the Judeo-Christian background and history and foundation that our country would have never been founded. He says that our founders loved the Hebrew Scriptures, that they did live in a time where Christianity was well divided, that all people didn't agree on how to worship and what to emphasize and that kind of thing. And so he said the Hebrew Scriptures were great. He said they loved the stories, but also it talked more about nation building and how to organize a community to live in a way that is in keeping with God's will. And so they used that Hebrew framework to help them understand who they were and what they were getting ready to do. He says Judaism became the central language, the way the Hebrew fathers had talked about God and faith. That was the language they used when they wrote to each other and when they thought about what they were doing. He says, in many ways, the colonists began to see themselves as an American Israel. I'm not sure we hear that very often in our history classes. But Novak does a great job of researching. He says there is a professor, Donald Lutz, that's gone through all the documents we have from the founders and counted the numbers of times they reference another work. He says there's 3,154 references to other works. 1,100 of them are from the Bible, far more than any other book or author they reference Holy Scripture. He says it's that framework that made it possible for them to think about what they were getting ready to do and decide to move forward. He says they understood that God had created created them and created the world. And he said they believed that God created with purpose, that God had an intention in mind when creating, and that, in fact, God had created us with freedom and for freedom, and, in fact, it was our responsibility to exercise our liberty or our freedom to advance the will of God. He said they believed that's what they were doing. That they were not just writing a declaration of independence, but that they were doing something in keeping with God's will. 
within that framework, then a struggle for liberty and justice for all is not only a political struggle, but a religious struggle as well. He says they would have never had the moxie to take the steps that they took if they did not believe that God was on their side. He said it gave them an unusual moral strength. I want to read just a few lines out of the book where he talks about this. He says, without this metaphysical background, the founding generations of America would have had little heart for the war of independence. They would have had no ground for believing that their seemingly unlawful rebellion actually fulfilled the will of God and suited the laws of nature and nature's God. Consider the jeopardy in which their rebellion placed each of them. When they signed the declaration, they were committing treason in the king's eyes. If their frail efforts failed, their flagrant betrayal of solemn oaths of loyalty they had sworn to their king doomed them to public hanging. He said these people were believers in God and God working in Christ. And this Protestant faith led them to take the steps which they took. He said they fervently believed that if God had created them with liberty and if they made choices in keeping with God's will, then this God would help them prevail that this God would help them prevail in this struggle for liberty and justice for all. In theological language, that means they became big believers in the providence of God. We talked about this a few weeks ago, the providence of God, that God is alive and at work and will provide for us, particularly if we're attuned and looking and listening for what God might be doing in our lives. That is why when Reverend Duche came and opened his Bible to the Psalms and started reading Psalm 35, it was so powerful in their minds and their hearts because it was talking about what God might do on their behalf. Listen to a few of these phrases again from the text we just read. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me or against me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Do you hear that they believed that God was on their side? That they needed God to help them? It just goes on to talk about the help that they need from God. They were believing that they were not just doing something of a civic nature, they were doing something much bigger than that. Something of deep faith roots. Novak notes several what he calls signal interventions of the providence of God that you find in the letters and papers of the founders. He says that these kind of events that they began to identify as God at work in their midst bolstered their faith. It bolstered them in their belief that they could prevail, and that this fight was not only right for them, but was right in the eyes of God. 
he says not only did they begin with prayer, but that Jonathan Witherspoon, who was the president of Princeton and probably the leading academic in the colonies of the time, preached a sermon. They said normally he would preach, that would be fine, it would be no particular big deal. People would come like they do today, hear the sermon and go on. But he preached a sermon on May 17, 1776, detailing this idea of the providence of God. And the word spread about what he had talked about, and requests began to come in. And so they printed up some manuscripts from which he had preached, and over 500 of those were distributed throughout the colonies. Because he has articulated so well this idea that God was at work in the decisions that were being made in that day. Novak also points out that the Declaration itself, the Declaration itself, if you look at the concepts taken from Hebrew Scripture, becomes a form of American prayer. He strings them together in this way. See if you can hear this theological basis that's so much a part of the fabric of the founding of our country. Creator, who has endowed in us our inalienable rights, maker of nature and nature's laws, undeceivable judge of the rectitude of our intentions. We place our firm reliance upon the protection of divine providence, which you have extended over our nation from its beginnings. Amen. He says faith was part of the fabric of who they were, what they were doing. He says you can see it further in that Congress declared on December 11, 1776, a day of fasting and repentance, a national day of fasting and repentance, saying to people, something is going on here. You should be a part of it. You need to be thinking about this. You need to be attending to God. We're all going to take a day here of fasting and repentance and look at our own lives and make sure that we're acting with the will of God. You think that would happen today? I don't think we would see that happening today in our country, but it happened then, reminding the people across the colonies that the leaders believed they were representing the will of God in what they were doing. He goes on to point out that Congress later, when the war was beginning to go better, when the tide began to turn, they declared a day of Thanksgiving in 1779 and again in 1781 and 1782. And it not only was a day of Thanksgiving, but they detailed the different things that they believed God had done to aid their cause of freedom and independence. You know, they felt like that the king was violating their rights. The British soldiers had begun to use more violence and force to tell all the colonists what they would or would not do and they were saying God is at work here we are trying to make choices in keeping with the divine will he points out another fact that General George Washington sent an order that each day the troops of the Continental Army would begin their day with formal prayer and he instructed that the officers of each unit should lead that prayer. He seemed to think it was important and perhaps their only hope for victory. Let me read you part of the order that General Washington wrote. He said, The blessing and protection of heaven are at all times necessary, 
but especially so in times of public distress and danger. The general hopes and trust that every officer and man will endeavor so to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier defending the dearest rights and liberties of his country. The final signal intervention that he talks about, he says it was an astonishing event. He said at one point in the struggle for independence, Washington had some 12,000 troops preparing to face the British at Long Island in August 1776. He said that all of a sudden the British made several sudden naval maneuvers and landed a force twice the size of Washington's to their rear. They had them pinned. It was not going to be a pretty sight for the Continental Army. Washington decided that this was no time to encounter the British forces. So once darkness fell, he put out a call to all sympathizers to bring any kind of water-worthy vessel to their aid so that the soldiers could escape across the water. They began to do so. Feverishly, they worked all night, but sun came up, and only a fraction of the army had been able to disembark. But they said as if God were answering their prayer, a fog rolled in and lasted until noon. And so the British waited. And while they waited, Washington and his men continued to work. And by noon, all of the Continental Army had escaped across the water. They began to refer to it as the miracle at Long Island. They believed in God and that God was at work and that divine providence was on their side, if you will, in this struggle for freedom and independence. It's really important for us to know our history, not just as Americans, but as people of faith. But even more important than that is to ask the question that I put in your outline, do we possess that faith? Do we see the hand of God at work in the world and so, do we look at our own lives and say, where is God working? What do I need to do to exercise my freedom and liberty, my free will to make choices that will align with God's will? Now, it can be a dangerous place to go to think that God endorses all of your decisions. But as we look at the founders, they looked at their situation and their circumstances and believed that God was at work. For God had created them and created people and created free will. And so certainly God must be on the side of liberty and justice for all. The United States of America was established as a place where people were free to exercise their religious convictions, whatever they may be. They believed that this founding really and truly was something that God was doing through them. They had that kind of faith. Should we not possess such a faith as well? Should we not live our lives with such intention and such earnestness and such diligence that God might work through us? As you ponder that, I'll close with these verses from one of our great hymns. Our fathers, God to thee, 
author of liberty, to thee we sing. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. Protect us by thy might, great God, our King. Amen. And thanks be to God.